a special episode. Um, we're going to start providing interviews for you guys uh, here and there thrown in with our various series. And I'm conducting this week's interview and I'm very excited to be talking with Carol Johnson. Carol is someone that I met through um, my family's church and she participated in a retreat that we did um, about a year ago. And her story is so powerful and really stood out to us at B. And we wanted to share um, Carol with our listeners. So, um, Carol, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, I'm excited about being here, a little nervous, but excited. <laughs> You're going to do great. Well, um, I know our listeners are really going to love uh, getting to hear your story and get to know you a little bit. So um, tell everyone um, who you are and where you're from and how old you are. Okay, well, I'm, I'm a senior adult woman. <laughs> I'm, 73 <laughs> years, I'm 73 years old, and I try not to act it. Um, I live in Clarksville, Georgia, in the mountains, and I, we retired here from Baltimore, Maryland. Um, so we've been living here in the mountains for about 10 years now. Ten years. Do you feel like you've converted to a southerner yet, or, or maybe well, not? I, I kind of pretend I'm a southerner, um, <laughs> but people have been very kind to me, even though I'm I've spent most of my years in the north, moving around the country. My uh, husband's career took us all over the country, so we lived in uh, we lived in Chicago and San Francisco and Los Angeles and Washington D.C. and Baltimore. Um, Indiana, Pennsylvania, uh, Minnesota. We just bounced around the country and settled yeah, here. Yeah, you really have been everywhere, haven't you? Yeah, a lot of time moving around. and um, But we love it here. It, it's really, we really like the people and we love being here. Um, well, tell everyone what you do for a living. Well, what I did do for a living? My yes. background is um, I, I was a chemist. I and then I went into running hospital laboratories, so I have um, degrees in, in biochemistry. And my specialty was running blood banks, actually. It was a wonderful job because I could always find a job as we moved around. Right. And um, my husband was, <laughs> was a federal prison warden, so we moved from federal prison to federal prison around the country. Kind of an odd job, but that's what it was. <laughs> What a fascinating life you have. <laughs> well, so Carol, tell us, um, I, I, like I was saying earlier, your faith story um, is really remarkable and um, has just stood out to us. And uh, I would love for you to um, share your story with our listeners. How did you um, come about to knowing the Lord? The Lord <laughs> kind of grabbed me, but... The story of how that happened is a little confusing even to me sometimes. I was 60 years old before I had any idea that the Lord was going to be active in my life. I had lived my life as a Northeastern, a Californian. I'd been a member of NOW. I was very much of a feminist. I believed in science, and my family were not. Um, church people or believers of any kind, but they did believe in education, and they were like morally good people. I have a girlfriend that says they were good flesh. Um, hmm. 
<laughs> and I'd been married for a long time. Um, we had two children. We moved them all over the place with us, two boys. And when I was 60 years old, I uh, had a friend, first friend I'd ever had, I think, that had any kind of belief in God. I really did not move in circles where people knew or talked about God in any way, shape, or form, actually, except in derogatory terms. Mm -hmm. um, and my, this friend, who I played golf with, invited me to her home one time, and she said a prayer before meal, the meal, which was so personal. It was unusual to me. I'd never heard anything quite like it. We became friends, and over several years, she just casually would mention her belief, but never in a very preachy way. It was really just friendship between us. And she invited me to church several times. I told her that I was not interested in that stuff and really wasn't my cup of tea. And she asked me again when I was about 60 years old. And suddenly, this sounds very strange, and I knew that God was saying to me, what are you afraid of? If I'm not real, why can't you go? Hmm. And then I heard him say to me, why are you running from me? It's time to stop. Hmm. And truthfully, I didn't want to stop running, and I didn't really want to change my life around. <laughs> but for some reason or another, and I think I know what that reason is now, certainly didn't know it then, <laughs> I went to church with her. And... The instant <laughs> that singing and preaching began, I began to cry. And I cried through the first year and a half that I attended church because I really did not want to be there. And yet I was being pulled to be there. Um, somewhere at about two or three months into this kind of crazy experience, um, I heard a woman who I was playing golf with speak to another woman about a Bible study that she was going to. And I asked her if people who didn't believe that stuff could still go and study. And she said, well, of course you can come. I mean, I'd love to have you come. And so I attended something called Bible Study Fellowship for the first time. And when I went to that study... We were studying the book of John with 300 women. I had never seen anything like it in my life. I was overwhelmed with the study. I really still did not want to be a Christian because my family was not comfortable with that idea, certainly. Um, I wasn't able to talk to my husband about it because I was embarrassed. And I didn't tell any of my friends because I was embarrassed. Um, that's the beginning, Amber. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what was your husband's belief system during this uh, initial time? He pretended that he didn't notice that I was going to church. Is that strange and interesting? <laughs> he actually acted as if it wasn't happening in front of his eyes. Mm. and I was unable to explain to him what was happening, 
And so for about a year and a half, there was silence about what was going on between us. Um, I finally understood, and as I was studying the book of Joel, believe it or not, in the Old Testament, there's a verse in Joel that says, the years that the locusts have eaten up will be given back to you. And I understood that even though I was the age I was, I could become a child of God, and it, it wasn't too late for me. And I was convicted, stopped running, gave my heart to Jesus, and said, please, take me out of this double-minded craziness that I'm in, because I recognized finally, through all of this, what I'd done to my family. I hadn't taught my children about who God was. I'd actually taught them the opposite. And I committed to being baptized, and I asked my husband for the first time to attend church with me so he could be present at my baptism. And he came. <laughs> um, but that's not, that's just the very beginning of the story, Amber. <laughs> so tell it's me. It's a crazy story, of... isn't it? Uh, yes, I love your story. It's, well, it's a very redemptive story, and it's just so very like Jesus. Um, to show up when we least expect him. Um, and I think that your story is a story of hope for a lot of us who have friends or family um, that don't trust in Jesus yet, that it is never too late, um, and Amen. that the Lord can do miraculous works, um, even when, you know, it may feel hopeless to us. Yeah. So I love that. And I, I, your story. I, I do think... That's what I hear when I when I share my story. Um, that's what I hear that that people don't feel that they can they you know they decide they don't have to give up for their parents or grandparents or loved ones and that that's powerful. If that's if I can share that and that gives them help, I'm so glad. I'm really pleased. But I have to tell you, then my husband did come to faith. It only took three more years. <laughs> wow. um, so and he, what were those three years like? They weren't very pleasant, actually. Um, he tried to go to church with me for a time or two, but he was so angry that when he sat in the pew next to me, it was really impossible for me to worship. And mm -hmm. I finally asked him not to come anymore. Mm -hmm. I said, you're too angry, and I can't be here with you being like that. And so he just refused to talk to me. And fortunately, I'd been led by a friend to First Peter 3, 1 through 2, which says, Women, submit to your husband and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> if they're not <laughs> believers, by your silence, but your behavior, you can win them over. And I trusted that. Mm. And... Um, and finally he said to me, tell me what's going on. And I said, I told him, I said, I don't even still understand, Jim, but I know a place you can go if you want answers. And I sent him to a men's Bible study group, which was a, com a companion Bible study to the, wo the women's Bible study that I was going to. Mm -hmm. And he went, and two years later he accepted Christ. Wow. Um, it's changed our life, 
in amazing ways. It has not changed our children's attitude of how crazy we are because God must laugh (laughs) because I hear from them the things I said when I was a non-believer. And they're very um, unaccepting of our belief. But that's all right because they're still young. And I believe God, if he had that kind of impact on Jim and I, I just trust that he's going to have that kind of impact on them. And we pray regularly, I can tell you, for them. Our grandchildren are more amenable, by the way. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, yes. So I want you to tell me a little bit about um, some distinct differences in your day-to-day life that you see now versus before you became a believer. Well, one of the embarrassing things is that my husband and I had been very stingy about money in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember ever giving money to anybody except family. Um, we didn't give to charities. We certainly didn't give to people on the street corner. And that's changed dramatically. Um, I couldn't tithe in the beginning because my husband had control of the money, not in a, not in a negative way but I wasn't able to, to commit that kind of money from our family. But we began to tithe as soon as he became a believer, and we routinely give now to missionary causes and support different missionaries. Um, and, and that's been a significant difference <clears throat> that even our accountant has laughed about. He said, what in the world happened to you? He said, wow. I've done your taxes for years, and you've never had any charitable donations. Wow. So that's a big kind of crazy thing, isn't it? I, yeah, that's not I, something that you normally think about. I know. It's, it's funny. And I, I can tell you, in the, in the beginning of our walk, we didn't spend as much time with, I particularly didn't spend as much time with the Christian community because I was still undercover. I know that sounds very strange, and I hate that I was embarrassed that, uh, to be a Christian in the beginning, but I was. Mm-hmm. Um, my peers and my family um, and my friends and my work environment were not very conducive places, and I wasn't very brave in the beginning. Um, that's changed dramatically, mm-hmm. and um, I have not a bit of problem now telling people whose I am and talking to them about who Jesus is. But it took me a while. It wasn't instant, and it certainly wasn't instant for my husband either. So that's changed dramatically. Um, I notice (laughs) that the Lord is asking more and more of my time. And I used to be a big golfer and spend a lot of my time golfing. And actually, I think Jim and I thought that we were going to spend our our retired years playing golf and traveling. But what I've found is the interest in golf has diminished, and I'm spending my time doing many different things that I would never have imagined I'd be doing. I, I lead a Bible study for women that's very similar to the Bible study that I was involved in in the very beginning of my walk. And um, I work with children in several programs, 
and I work as a, a prayer warrior in a medical clinic. Mm. And so my time is used a different way. And it's been interesting because it wasn't uh, uh, painful to give up the things I thought were going to be my life um, goals. They yeah. just diminished in interest. I guess what I've noticed is the Lord was so gentle with me in the beginning, and he didn't allow me to be faced with things that I couldn't handle. And he took time to allow me to learn and to study and to get bolder mm. before I was put in those kind of positions. And, and I can see that pattern looking back. You don't see it when you're in it, mm. but you definitely see it afterwards. How would you say that your experience uh, and your background in science uh, plays out in your faith now? Oh, my. Well, in the beginning of my walk, I struggled with the whole thought that God was the creator because I'd really believed in evolution I believed that science was the answer and that man was going to develop and become more and more perfect on his own and that science was going to make for us a perfect world. I really believed those things. And so in the beginning of my walk, it was really very strange. Everything in me was upset. Every, every way I'd ever believed was turned inside out and upside down. And some things I had to put on the back shelf because I really couldn't even deal with them early on, um, particularly the whole idea of God being the creator. Because I'd been such an, evolution, an evolutionist and a believer in that, I couldn't even approach that early. Um, one of the things that's been amazing is the way God's taken care of that for me. And now, understanding who he is, of course it's simple to understand how he could be the creator. Of course I can understand how those amazing things could have been done by him. And I, I see the internal um, confusion of the evolutionist viewpoint. It truly is more a statement of faith than our faith is, and because what they say couldn't possibly be, but I'd accepted that on faith. I, I see now clearly that science was my faith, mm. um, and I really did believe that men, particularly the bright ones, were going to be gods, and mm. I, I apologize for that. It sounds terrible to say now, but mm. I I now understand how my mind was totally ego-driven and um, consumed with what I could accomplish, but I'd been taught that in schools. Right. So there was a lot of revision in my mind and rewiring. God did most of it behind the scenes, um, and I appreciate, like I said, I appreciate his patience and kindness. But I'll tell you one of the things that's been amazing now is, as a as a chemist, one of the and a, and a biochemist, one of the things that's amazing is to understand chemistry in the light of who God is. Mm. 
Mm. And I, I understand now things I didn't understand then. Where is all this energy coming from that makes electrons and, and neutrons? And where, where did that occur from? And, and I understand now who holds it all together and that God is in every one of those, those spaces. And that's amazing to me. I, I'm overwhelmed by that sometimes. Does that make any mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, it does. Um, you know, I feel like it's a it's a common belief that science and faith are perpetually at odds. Um, being a scientist who's converted to Christianity, would you say that that is true? I I don't I don't think they have to be at odds. That's what's I think amazing when I when I see the Creator in action. It really explains a lot that the belief in science didn't explain. Um, just because we know the laws, or the rules in science, or thermodynamics, or physics, doesn't explain where they came from or how it started, and and what the power behind it is, and and the order behind it, because. For nature to just have order when we know that, according to physics, everything deteriorates over time, everything falls into, into decay, how is it possible then that our universe could continue to exist? If, how, how did creation happen if, if nature always goes towards decay? So mm-hmm. to me, it explains some confusions. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I'm probably talking gibberish. <laughs> no, it seems like um, uh, I feel like a lot of times people go to science for uh, answers instead of faith, but it seems like um, your faith in, in the science, your background in science will have worked together to create an even more enlightened uh, view. Yeah, and when I, when I look back on history... And, you know, sometimes we don't like to pay attention to that. (laughs) But when you go back to history, you realize that most of the early science came out of belief in God. It wasn't wasn't a separation from God. That's only pretty recent, really. I think think that's only been the the most last century, you know, Mm. through the 1900s. So we've had generations and centuries and eons before where the science study of science wasn't separate from who God was. What are some ways that you have had to um, live in the spirit in your faith journey? Well, one of, one of the things that's happened in the last few years, not in the beginning, because in the beginning, as I said, God was very gentle with me and didn't take me to places that I couldn't handle. I was not a person who prayed. I didn't understand prayer. And it was very difficult for me. And yet I know somewhere about 10 years ago, our church was having a, a program that was going to be a, a week-long um, program we just had this past year, uh, past year called Judgment House. And there was a call for prayer people. And I know that the Holy Spirit said, you are going to do this, Carol. And I stepped forward as a new member of a church, never having prayed. And I 
began to learn to pray on a 30-day commitment of an hour of prayer for this project we were doing. And since then, prayer has become my my meat and potatoes every day. And um, now one of my, I think one of the most exciting things I'm part of is I work with in a medical clinic with the people who come who I don't know, and I pray with them about whatever it is they want to pray about. And I have to go there and empty myself and beg for help that the Holy Spirit will use me, use my mouth, because I am totally incapable, incapable of doing this. Um, there's really nothing about me that would allow me to pray with these strange strangers, people I don't know, about their pain and their family problems and their medical problems and their spiritual problems. Um, but I see amazing thing, things happen when we pray together, one on one at a time, and different people in that in that waiting room end up joining in prayer with other people who are strangers. Um, and tears are shed, and I know that's the Holy Spirit. That's that's not me, uh, not of me, but boy, do I enjoy him taking me along for the ride, I can tell you. It is such joy and such a powerful experience, and I'm so thankful to be part of it. Um, That's one of the things. (laughs) Let's see, what else? um, What advice would you give to someone who is looking to um, increase prayer in their life or um, kind of go deeper in prayer than they do now? I, I think the advice that I can give is you have to commit to it before you feel like it. Mm. And I certainly had no idea how to pray when I made the commitment to pray an hour each day. I had no idea what I was going to say in prayer or what it was going to be like. But I, I know that at the end of those 30 days, I was changed. Mm. And I know that that journey was not one that I made for myself. It was really just the step over the line of obedience and the commitment, and the change came because of that. Um, I do believe, though, that you do need to stay in constant Bible study with fellow believers. And I do that because I know, hmm, I know how derelict I can become if I'm not. It doesn't take long if I'm on vacation or something like that for me to get out of the habit. Mm-hmm. And I hate to admit it, but it happens. And I don't think I'm the only one it happens to. So I have to make a commitment to intentionally stay in prayer and intentionally stay in Bible study with fellow believers and um, in order to keep things rolling the way they need to be. Otherwise, I can just forget. I, I, it's amazing how my mind will just lose the train that I need to be on. You know, I, I I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you that. Huh? I said, I think that's all of us. Well, that 
in the beginning, I was really embarrassed that that would happen. And but as I've talked more and more to people, I understand I'm not alone yeah, in that it problem. Happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you one more question before we wrap up today. Um, like I said earlier, your story is just so powerful, and you're such a authentic, honest, beautiful um, woman of God. I love getting to talk to you. Um, what uh, encouragement would you offer to someone who, say, um, is has been praying for a loved one to know the Lord or um, is in a position of uh, feeling hopeless? What advice would you give to them? Hmm. Well, first of all, I'd tell them that I understand because there are times when I just can't imagine. I feel like I, what I really want to do is go tie my children and grandchildren up in ropes and make them listen to me. But that's not very productive, so I, I kind of stay away from that. Um, because they're not very nice to me if I preach. So mostly it's about loving them and walking in as an, as an example. Um, and I, I know that prayer is the only thing I have, really, but it's such a big thing. I mean, I just believe that if God could do what he did with me and with my husband, that he won't let my children be orphans. Um, he doesn't want that for them, and so I have to depend on who he is. Because um, right now it looks kind of grim, but, you know, I, I just have hope. I, and... and Fortunately, it's not about what I have to do, I mean, I, because I'm not being able to do. I have seen God do some amazing things in their life, though. My son and the father of my three grandchildren, um, suddenly his best friend in Virginia is an evangelical Christian. Um, amazing. I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. I'm thrilled to death, and I just know God's hands in that. Mm. Um, so... They're just um, just things that give me hope, like that. And I think you have to stick at it. it I mean, I I don't know. I don't. I wish I had an answer for that one. But as far as I can tell, it's about obedience and and prayer and depending on who God is because He's the one with the power. Yeah. So is that absolutely? Make, yeah. I think. Oh, I think that that will um, be encouraging to someone today. And Carol, thank you so much for talking with us and taking time out of your day. Um, like I said, you're so encouraging and you're such a, an uplifting person. I know that our listeners will be blessed to hear from you today. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for listening. And I, uh, it's been fun. I, I, I love to tell about the Lord and, and what he's done for me and and sometimes it's kind of crazy, but uh, there it is. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Amber. Yeah. Thank you so much, Carol. Okay. Bye. Bye.